Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Shelly Lefko, who has personally helped thousands of people worldwide to eliminate the beliefs leading them to have the life they always dreamed of. Her Lefko method has revolutionized the way we think and enabled over 150,000 people to stop a wide variety of undesirable emotional and behavioral patterns. She is the co-founder and president of the Lefko Institute and the founder and president of the Empowering a New Generation. Shelly, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I love being here. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. How did the Lefko method get started? Oh, that's a great question. Um, my husband, um, uh, my late husband, uh, was looking at why it was that his life was such a struggle and effort. He was brilliant. Everything that was supposed to turn out somehow didn't. And he was on a plane actually um, going for an interview. Uh, we were doing corporate work at the time. And he started journaling, why do people know what to do? And they don't do it. Why are things supposed to happen and they don't? So people know if they wear seatbelts, they'll be safer. If they eat healthily and exercise, they will live longer and they will feel better. Um, we know going into toxic relationships that we shouldn't be going in and we go in anyway. In this inquiry, and he calls it, he calls it an emotional, uh, uh, spiritual, intellectual inquiry of um, ontology of why people do what they do. And he came, uh, he says he downloaded this process and he came up with the idea. And this was 30 years ago, Seth, where you would say to people, um, we help people eliminate the beliefs that keep them from having the lives they want. And they would say, belief? What do you mean a belief? Like, like a religious belief? Now, today, everybody's right. talking because everybody knows you can't change behavior without changing beliefs. Now, we have the secret sauce because we know how to actually do it. So anyway, that's how it started. And we started in corporations and we would, uh, we would do um, cultural change and we would talk about, we would help them look at what are the beliefs or the corporate, cult, the beliefs that drive the corporate culture that make you do what you do. And... Um, he hated traveling. He didn't want to be away from his family. Um, so we started doing it with individuals and entrepreneurs. Um, 
where we would help people. And then, of course, we were able to do it on Zoom, which was the whole opening for everything. So that's how it started. Okay, congratulations. I'm sure the longer version is in one of your several books yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, of that story. So how do, without giving away, obviously, the secret sauce, how do we discover if we've got limiting beliefs and how do we find out what they are? So I'm always happy to give away the secret sauce. My husband and I really want to make a difference. And if I could teach people how to do it in an hour, I would do it. So um, you can start by looking logically. So when you talk about people in business, you talk about the biggest problems people have is procrastination. Um, you know, they're, they're sitting at their desks and they're on social media. Um, they um, don't work and play well with others. They know that they should be um, uh, better managers, but they're very autocratic and they can't delegate. Um, salespeople have a fear of cold calls. So you can look at what is it that is stopping me from being as successful as I can be. Now, I'm gonna, I want to qualify one thing that's really important about finding beliefs. I have worked with five Harvard PhDs and countless CEOs who have the belief, I'm not good enough, yep. and I'm stupid, or I'm not smart. They know they're smart. Harvard PhDs know they have, that they're smart, but they still believe they're not. And there's a reason for it, which I, that's a little more complicated. Um, as to why that is. And I, I can explain it in a simple way, but let me first tell you, answer your question of how you find beliefs. So let's assume you have a fear of public speaking. So that was a niche of ours for a long, long time. And I don't like to talk about it because it got so boring. <laughs> because it's boring to you. To me. Because you did it same, a thousand times. That's right. It's the same beliefs for every single person in every country around the world. There's like nine beliefs and three what we call emotional conditionings and we do it in four sessions guaranteed so you say what must i believe what would somebody believe that would have me be afraid of something that's not fear producing right speaking in front of people i once asked my daughter would you ever have a fear of public speaking she looked at me and she said what and I said, well, if there were a thousand people in the room, would you feel fear? She said, will they have weapons? <laughs> so it isn't fear producing. People are afraid to make mistakes and fail. They have the beliefs, I'm not good enough. I'm not important. What I have to say is not important. What makes me good enough is having other people think well of me, which is the big one. That's what drives it. It's like, Worried, worrying about what other people think keeps you from being your authentic self, right? When I got rid of that belief, I can stand in front of, I just spoke in Croatia in front of 600 people, you know, they'll like me, they won't like me, you know, and it isn't that it doesn't matter or it's not a big deal. It just no longer means anything about me so I can be my authentic self. So asking yourself logically, workaholism, Okay, here's what workaholism is. I'm not good enough. I'm not important. Now we have a beach ball, right? The belief. What makes me good enough are my achievements. Now I'm going to hold this beach ball underwater. So as long as I'm achieving, 
this is underwater. I had a, somebody um, call and say, I'm worth $10 million. I'm on the cover of business publications. I don't know my children. My third wife's ready to divorce me. When is it going to be enough? Yeah. Never. Because your achievements will never make you good enough, evidenced by the fact that it's a heroin addiction. I have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So the first way you find beliefs is to look at logically what might they be. And I love the idea of pretending it's somebody else. What would somebody else have? Because we can't, it's hard to be introspective. It's hard to do it for yourself, right? The therapist has issues. It's easy to say, oh, that person's crazy. They've got that issue. They'd have to believe X, Y, and Z. And then the light bulb goes off. Oh my God, I might have some of that. Yeah. And the biggest belief, um, you know, there are like, you know, the top five and mistakes and failures are bad. You know, Seth, I, you know better than anybody, I'm sure, in the world that there are more business books, fail forward, you know, all of these business books, all the quotes, the famous, you know, quotes on, you can't, you know, Richard Branson says, if you're not failing, you're going to be mediocre. Right. People still believe mistakes and failures are bad. And if we were to get into how beliefs- I'm sure they're getting that from mother, father, sister, teacher, preacher. They're getting it from school where you get, if you raise your hand, you don't have the right answer. They yell at you. Tons of places, right? Exactly where. I mean, you nailed it. It's not tons of places. It's those two places. (laughs) So you, you absolutely nailed it. When you raise your hand in school, you know, I had a belief, if I don't know, I can't figure it out. Because, wow. because the teacher would say, oh, you don't know the answer? Okay, you know it. As opposed to, well, let's figure it out. Right. So that belief really stopped me. Um, and I would always call other people. And I used resources. I was really good at that. There is, so when you come into this world and you don't have these beliefs, they get formed yes. based on what you just said. The reason that they stay with us, this is the secret sauce. The reason that they stay with us throughout our lifetimes, throughout 25 years in therapy, is because we think that we saw our beliefs in the world. I saw that I wasn't good enough. Now, I think I've got evidence. I build pillars on that table to hold it up. But but it's... uh, But I want to go back before that, before you build the evidence. My father criticizes, your father criticizes you, right? I was going to use this, an exact example of myself and throw myself under the bus that I got a limiting belief at 12 when I was learning to play piano and I played my favorite song at the time is We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. And I probably, I wanted to learn the piano to play that song. So I didn't start with Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I said, I'm going to start with a hard song. And so I played that song 5,000 times, I'm sure. And at one point in time, my dad came down, came in the house, came downstairs, whatever, and said, you can't sing. Now, he didn't finish the sentence. There wasn't, I can't take that song anymore. I'm trying to take a nap. I can't deal with it right now. He just ended the sentence there and walked away. So for, even though I went to college for musical theater, I was terrified to sing in public. I was terrified to audition for shows, even though that's what I was there for. So I stuck to the plays as much as I could so I didn't have to sing. When I sang to my wife at our wedding, it took anti-anxiety meds to get me through it without throwing up. 
Brilliant. And, but, and I didn't get over that fear until like 30 plus years later. And for the first time this year, I did a musical with my daughter and sang a solo front and center, had a lead, and I got over it. I dealt with it. I did it for her. And that's what got me through it was not wow. thinking about me. Wow. So what did you conclude? What was the conclusion? The conclusion I'm at 12 was I can't sing. I'm not can't good. Sing. I'm right. not good enough. Right. And when so, I went to be in shows with other people, and when I went to one of the top musical theater colleges in the country, I saw kids who were amazing. Like, not putting myself down, but like these kids, this, like if anyone's going to Broadway, it's that, like they're amazing. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, he was right. I can't sing as well as them, so I'm not going to try or I'm going to be terrified if I do. If I were to work with you, and I'm so moved by that your, your daughter was so important to you that you were able to get past your fear for her is really extraordinary. Um, if people would realize that who you are inspires people, not what you do. So the fact that you did this and this and you've created and that's impressive. That's, that's admirable. It's not right. We tell people in the market, our marketing clients, we tell them the higher you want to charge, the more you get paid for who you are and not the end user deliverable. Yeah. So who you are, what, what Seth just said inspired me. The fact that he's incredibly successful is admirable, but that doesn't inspire me. What you do interests people. Who you are inspires them. Ooh, that's a really good writer downer. I love that quote. Okay. So we're working on uncovering our limiting beliefs. We're working on, and then obviously we've got to get rid of them somehow. I had, My life could have been totally different had I ignored it, not thought about it, thought about it logically, asked my dad what he meant at the time, had had the conversations with myself like, does he have any credibility to judge my singing talent? Hello? You know, he's not a record producer. He's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Any questions I could ask as a logical adult, hopefully thinking back later, trying to get through it so I could sing with my daughter. So how, so we talked about finding them and asking, hey, what would a person other than myself have to believe to get there? How do we then start releasing those? Okay, so as you said, knowing the right beliefs that underlie, or the beliefs, not the right beliefs, but the belief, specific beliefs that underlie a specific pattern is where you need a facilitator. But here's how you do it. So one that, so first of all, it made sense that you would conclude, I can't sing, right? One interpretation is, I, that would explain your father's behavior. I never do this in podcasts, so I'm going to try to do it really quickly because it's so perfect. So one interpretation is, and you said a couple, that you can't sing. What's another interpretation that you couldn't see as a kid that you could see now that would explain what your father said? You can't sing right now because I'm trying to take a nap. That's a valid interpretation. What's another? Um, you can't sing that song right now because I'm sick and tired of hearing it because I've heard it 500 times and now having kids of my own, I can understand that. That's a valid interpretation. And another one is what you said, and I love this because this is important, because this is what makes it not Pollyanna. Even if your father thought you couldn't sing well, even if that were true, that doesn't mean it's true. He's not a connoisseur. And even if you couldn't sing as a child, that didn't mean you wouldn't be able to be a fabulous singer if you took lessons and worked on it. So if there are other valid interpretations... Now, this isn't going to be powerful for you listening, 
but it will for Seth. But it's interesting for sure. If there are other valid interpretations is what you said, I can't sing well, the truth was simply one of the interpretations. Is it the truth or one interpretation? I don't know. Well, I mean, I can't sing well. Oh, it's an interpretation. It's an interpretation. Now, doesn't it seem like if you go back to your childhood, if I was standing there, you saw I can't sing. Right. He barely, he doesn't even remember it. Wait, wait. But, but wouldn't it seem like you saw I can't sing? Yes, I saw. But, if you're saying, did perfect. I see the interpretation that obviously gave me a fear for a long time? Uh, yes. But, but well, hold that thought. But it seems like you saw yes. I can't sing. Yes. Did you ever see I can't sing well? Like I can't sing. It's like just not something I can do. I'm sh- probably, yeah. Okay, good. Now, you see this? Yes. Anything, so this has a color? Yes. Shape and location? Yes. Anything you can see has a color, shape, and location. Yes? Yes. Good. Did you ever see I can't sing? That's no. good. What did you see? I didn't see anything. I felt bah, 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 bah. No, you did see something. Because if we were watching a videotape, I I would... saw, I, I, I heard him say words. Well, you saw your father. I saw him say words. Say, you can't sing. Correct. Good. Where was I can't sing? Uh, on the stairs at our condo at the time. So I can see your stairs and I can see your condo. Where was I can't sing? I was sitting at the piano. He was no. coming. I can see you sitting at the piano. I could see your father saying that. But where was it's true? I can't Oh, sing. inside of me. Where? In your liver? Uh, oh, um, stomach or stomach, probably. Nope. Okay. Throat, heart, brain. Yeah. So the only place I can't sing ever existed was in your mind. As any kid in the world would, you made that up. I made up what it meant. Yes. Now I want you to get that. So you made up, I can't sing. Right? That was a little boy's answer to, why did my father just say that? Oh, I see. I can't sing. Oh, I see. I'm not good enough. Oh, I see. Mistakes and failures are bad. Right? You, this is very powerful. Now, I'll take you all the way home, okay? I'm going to make a distinction. Consequences versus meaning. Okay? The consequences of your father saying that? was, as you said, if you interpreted it differently, your life would be different, right? So there were consequences. But what does it really mean that he said that? Don't answer. Hold that thought. Okay. Everybody do this with me. If you're in a room and somebody you know walks in and doesn't speak to you, what might you automatically think? Make up anything. Just think of something, everybody. Okay. We thought of something. Just say something. What? Uh, they're busy. They're busy. They don't like me. They're mad at me. I did something wrong. They're rude. Yep. Whatever I, you I have said, seen my wife do that. So whatever you said. Mad at me. I'm like, how do you don't know she's mad at you? You don't know anything yet. Wait. Ah, good. So where? So so whatever you said is meaning. Okay. Where does meaning come from? 
whatever we give it. Right. So where does it come from? Our brain. Your brain. All meaning comes from your mind, your head, right? If meaning is in your mind, do events have inherent meaning? They only have the meaning we give them. No, sir. And everybody says that. They have the meaning you give them for you, but the events do not have meaning. Even after you give them meaning, the meaning is not in the events, it's in your mind. So events have no meaning. And another way of saying that is, I don't know anything for sure because something happens, right? So my husband died. I miss him. I give my organs to have him back. It matters. I care. But it doesn't mean I'm going to starve to death. I'll be alone. I'm never going to marry again. Now, those are all the meanings when he died and you're laying in bed and you're crying. Oh, God, my business is not going to survive. How am I going to do this? I'm, I'm going to be alone. Who's All that is in your mind. The fact that he died has no inherent meaning. So again, it isn't no big deal. It isn't, I don't care. It just doesn't mean anything. So what does it really mean, Seth, that your dad said you can't sing? Nothing. Nothing. Now watch this. It seems like those events made you feel like you can't sing. Yes. Can events that have no meaning make you feel anything? No, I chose to attach that meaning to it. Well, no, you didn't choose. It's very automatic. We are meaning-making machines. So you didn't do anything you shouldn't have done, right? You, but you're accurate and very smart. You figured it out. So the meaning you gave the events caused your feeling. Yes. So your boss yells at you or you start your company and there are no sales you immediately give it meaning. Oh, this is not going to work. I'm going to go out of business. I'm an idiot. I should have never done that. That's meaning, right? Now, close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that Auntie Shelley was there. And I said to you, sweetie, your dad doesn't know his, anything about singing. You're a kid. He just didn't want to hear you. But you could be a great singer. And imagine you're standing there giving the event, oh, I see, Andy Shelley. I could be a great singer. My dad just didn't want to hear me at the moment. And as you're giving the same events that meaning, do you still have the feeling that you can't sing? No. Awesome. Now, take a deep breath. Say, I can't sing. Can or cannot? I can't sing. I can't sing. Is that true? No. Awesome. That's how you get rid of a belief. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, you saw a live demonstration that was totally unplanned of a small fraction of what the Lefko method can do. Um, I'm going to sing to Shelly later. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Um, You can see how she can help transform, how she's helped. She, they've transformed over 150,000 people. Um, talk a little bit about the books, the workshops, and how our viewers and listeners can get just a little tiny dose of the Shelley magic. Okay. That's what Jack Canfield calls it, the Shelley magic. Um, so we have a book coming out called Self-Made, How to 
have entrepreneurs free themselves or something. I'm not sure about the second. A much sexier yeah. subtitle than the one you're forgetting. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, probably. <laughs> um, so, so the book will be coming out um, in a, I think, a month or so, uh, maybe two. But um, you can get in touch with us. Um, if you want to eliminate a belief for free, uh, you can go to recreateyourlife.com. Great. Um, yeah. And, and you can, there are three of the most common beliefs that entrepreneurs and everybody in the world has. Um, and uh, you can go to the Lefko Institute, L-E-F as in Frank, K-O-E, institute.com and find out about all of our programs and sessions and whatever. Awesome. Absolutely fast. Best experiential interview ever. Uh, <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate that. This has been Seth Green for Shark Fedor with Shelly Lefko from recreateyourlife.com. Shelly, thank you so much for joining us and, and thank you for the extra added benefit. Oh, you're welcome. That was fun. Thank you everybody for watching or listening to my Lefko session. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.